If you brought your Bible this morning, I want you to turn your Bible to the book of Romans chapter 12. Romans 12. We still have a series on flourish. And I've said, if you recharge your batteries and make sure you're looking after yourself, you can still flourish even at the age of 100 years. And that's what the scripture is saying. We'll look at it shortly. I'm always grateful when I come to serve with the, with the kids club on Wednesdays when I see Norma and Marv every Wednesday come. You know, they may not be that fast, but they're there for the young people. And I say, what a wonderful gift that they can still flourish even at that age. And today I want to challenge you and myself that find your place, find your place in the body of Christ. Find your place. Take your place in the body of Christ. I think the hardest thing, the hardest thing for moms and for married ladies is when you have a man at home who cannot find his place in a home. The hardest thing as a society when you have men in a society who cannot stand up as men in a society. The hardest thing for a man is when you have a lady in the house who cannot stand up and take up her place in the house. I remember growing up as a young boy, my mother used to pray. Because my dad used to be an absentee dad. I'll only see dad in a long time because he always away. My mother never used to complain, but one day she shared with us how she felt and she wished that my dad would find his place. And I always remember times when you go for school events and school interviews and school and other things that you'd wish your dad to be there because people would always come walking with their dad and they always see my mother. And people would ask me, what is your dad? Many of my classmates never knew my father because I never saw him. And my mom would always say, I wish your dad can find his place. I wish your dad can take his place. And she said, I've become a mom. I've become a father in this house. But I know your dad is still alive. He's there. It took so many years with prayers before my dad found his place in our family. And I want to encourage you if you're married, you're here. And you're feeling like the other party hasn't found their place. I want to encourage you to keep praying. They will as you pray. Maybe you have children, you're praying as a parent that I wish my children can take their place in the family. I wish my children can come and have their place as my children. We have children that have ran away. We have children that have distanced themselves from us as families, as parents. 
And as a mom, you're praying, I wish my child can have and take his place. We're living in a society today that is confused. As a sort that values have been mixed up because you have people, we have men and women that have refused to take up their place in the society. And many times, our God, our Father, looks down on us and says, my children, I wish you knew. I wish you can find your place in my kingdom. I wish you can take up your place in that kingdom. I wish you can find your part in the kingdom. Before you look at the book of Romans, I want us to pray this morning. Lord, thank you for your message this morning. Lord, we thank you for many of us that are parents. But yet many times we don't know when we neglect our own family, our own children, our spouses, our sisters and our brothers. And I pray this morning that I share your message, God, that you help us to find our place, to take up our place, oh God. I know there are many of us here that are crying for their own children, for their partners, for their friends, for their colleagues at a place of work. And I pray, God, that may you come through for them today as I share this message. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. The scripture we read last time from the book of Jeremiah says that, but blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by stream. It does not fear when heat comes on. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries. In a year of drought, it never fails to bear fruit. My friends, I want to encourage you today that if you find your place, if you find your place in the body of Christ, you'll be like a tree that has found the right place of water and soil. That even seasons of drought, seasons of pain, seasons of hardship, You'll have no worries. And you'll always bear fruit in the society. And like I said, as a church, if we stand up and find our place as a men and women, boys and girls, if we stand up in a society, in our church, in our community, and take up our place and find our position 
our society is going to be different. Our community is going to be different. If as men, you take up your role in homes and become the husband that you meant to be. As women, you take up your role in that house and become the wife that God has called you to be. Your family is going to be different. As parents, you do the same. I always pray when I hear the siren ring outside here because I can hear the cars drive around because there are people here in the community that have given themselves and they say they're going to take up their place to intervene and find out what is happening and go and save a life. Put out a fire, put out a fire and save something. Even if it's a false alarm. They don't care. They just think I have to be there. They don't say maybe that's a false alarm. They wake up and run and, and find out. And I'm saying, you know what? The kingdom of God may not be real. You may not even be there. But what are you and I wasting? If we just run to see and do something. I've told myself I'd rather be there and find there's no heaven than stay away and only feel bad because... I never actually tried to find whether it exists. Last week we looked at the vein, and today we are going to look at the body. Maybe for some of us, trees don't make much a lot. But today I want to bring you home to think about yourself. Maybe trees and plants don't make sense to you. But I don't talk about your own body today. But I want to believe that at that time Christ was talking to people that believed in vineyards. They planted so many of them that he knew if you talk about a vineyard, they'd be able to understand when he talks about when you remain in me and I remain in you, we're going to be a great team and flourish and produce more fruit. And he's telling us today through the apostle Paul, he's saying, if you find your place in the body, if you find your place in the team, if you find your place in me, we can do so much together. If you find a place. You know, men, you may not understand this, but women probably they do. Because when a baby is born and being formed in the womb, I've worked in a factory and we used molds to produce like a cup or a plate. But I want to tell you there's no mold in the womb. But the baby finds they have eyes, they have hands, they have feet, they have everything that God wants them to have. Everything finds its place on a body. Unless it's an accident or something has happened. There's no way your ears will, be, will come at your back. Everything finds its place on a body. Your toes come neatly. Your lips, your eyes, everything is like the master drawing your picture. And there's no mold there to, to squash it and wait, you know, nothing. It's just a baby growing up and becoming like a person, like you and I, 
and you come up and grow and you become a person, mature person. Transformed kingdom living calls for lives marked by humility and service through giftness to the body of Christ. And in discussing the matter of giftness, Apostle Paul reminds us that just as the physical body is made up of many members, each with a different function, the church is a body of many members, but closely related and con constituting a unity in Christ with each other and having individual functions and responsibilities. Our different gifts and abilities should make us love and depend more on one another and therefore should make us more united in one body in Christ. You, you know, the, the hardest thing for the church now, and that's what Christ has insisted, the hardest church for a church is to remain united. Is to remain united. Even within ourselves, we don't see ourselves as a team. Live alone among denominations. Every domination stands out for something different. The unit of Christ is not there. And Christ is reminding us as a community to think about yourself. If you are the head, you can never be the hands. If you are the feet, you can never be the eyes. You need the eyes, you need the ears, you need each and every part of the body. In so many cultures around the world, men used to provide for women. Men were the sole bread winners of the society. And women were treated like small children in many societies. Because men, because they provided, they felt like I should be the king of the home. And I remember one day, I'll not talk about the country because I love the country and I have so many friends there. We went visiting this country um, and when I, we stopped at the home, I went to the car to grab my own bag. I was told in our culture, Men don't carry their own stuff. They're carried by women, which I respected. Could be something in the culture. And when I got into the house, I requested for a glass of water. And this girl, I think she was working for the family. She came with water in a glass and she came and she knelt down like this to serve me water. And I felt so bad. As I said, I can't take water when you're kneeling down. And she said, that's our culture. We cannot give men things when you're standing. We only give them when you're kneeling down. And I felt. But it's a culture. 
maybe it's good for the community for them, but I felt like I'm being worshipped. That's how it felt for me. But what I'm saying is, we have cultures and things that make a man look like a king. We have cultures and things that make people stand in a particular place of God. And look down on the other person. But it's very easy also to happen in the church. I can tell you the churches look at you and I because of the amount of people they have on a Sunday and they feel like you guys are, this is not church for them. You know, numbers can really make people or the structures and they can make us have a competition in the community of churches. Some churches are known by the speakers of the church. You know, you, the man of God when he's up there and you find security around them standing in front. I love each and every person and I'm not here to judge anybody. I'm just here to remind us that God is reminding us in the body. It's a lot of humility and respect. And Paul begins by saying in Romans chapter 12, that it gives us a picture of how we can find our place in the body of Christ. In verses 1 and 2, Apostle Paul begins by saying this, Therefore, I argue, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. The first step, if you're going to move into the gifts of God and to present ourselves as living sacrifice, to present ourselves as a living sacrifice, um, what I meant to say is that we need to, the first thing to do is to present ourselves to God, is to commit ourselves to God. When you commit ourselves to God, whether it's a family, whether it's a church, whether it's an organization, you don't see yourselves as senior, you don't see yourselves as special, you see yourselves in the eyes of God on the same level like the other person. When we offer ourselves before God as a sacrifice. When we commit ourselves, when we surrender ourselves to God. The self in me, the ego. The thing that man in me disappears and dies so that Christ in me can be alive. Christ in me can be alive. In his book, Receiving Gifts of the Holy Spirit, Bill suggests that, that we must yield our bodies as well as our minds to God. So it's not just about the body, it's about the mind. That when we surrender ourselves to God, we also surrender our minds. You know, sometimes it's very easy to surrender yourself, but God, this is my mind. I have to think of myself. 
In other words, if you come to Jesus Christ as little children and receive him as a savior, we begin to receive a spiritual mind. In other words, the transformation can only take place when we surrender ourselves to God. You know those days when we talked about marriage, submission was only about the wife. Women were only told to submit to the men and not the men. So women were to submit, 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 submit. But today I'm reminded that if each of us can surrender to Christ, if each of us can give our life to Christ, if each of us can give our brains, our attitudes or everything Christ, and Christ becomes in us and transforms us to be like him so that we can start to think and do things like him so that we are able to understand his will and purposes for our lives. Our natural minds cannot understand the mind of God. In writing to Romans, Apostle Paul says that for the to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And I can tell you, flesh is flesh. How many times you find yourself in the battle between your flesh and your mind because your spirit is willing, the, 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 the spirit is happy to move, the spirit is happy to submit, but the flesh is saying no. And that's why Paul says that because of the carnal mind is the enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can it be. Apostle Paul also says, but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually designed. What I'm sharing today with all of us, that finding your place may be foolish may even look like unusual for those that think in the flesh. Those that look at you when you do certain things, they may think you're out of your mind because the flesh cannot understand the things you do and the things you do for God. I remember... One day we went to the bank to ask for a mortgage and they're looking at our statements and the manager saw that we had given a bit to the church at that time and they refused us. They said that you have to go and, re you have to go and remove that amount that you give to the church before we give you a loan and refused completely because they cannot understand and they're asking, why do you give money to the church? Why?
And that's what I'm saying. The world cannot understand why we give and serve the church. The flesh cannot understand why you're fasting. For those of us who've tried fasting, fasting is not easy. When you deny your body food. And fasting may not make sense to some of us. But if you do it fasting in the spirit, with deep understanding of why you have to fast, by subjecting your flesh to the spirit of God, it makes more sense. Because fasting is about telling the flesh, it's not about you, it's about the spirit. He's saying this, this flesh that today, if you don't have a meal, you're not going to die. Friends, the flesh can take control of us. Flesh can take control of us. Romans 12, 4, 5 talks about members of the body. For us, we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we being many are one body in Christ and individual members of one another. My message today, my message today is find your place. You know, sometimes you can come at home. We can come to a family like this. Everything is organized. It's already done. Which is true. Because you have a team that comes up and makes sure that everything is done. But doesn't mean that your place is not there. Your place is there. When you walk to your home and everything looking like it's done, doesn't mean that Everything is done, you know, your place is still there. When I talked about my father, you know, my father would come late in the night, you know, those days before he changed. You find everything's ready, the food is cooked and everything is, you know, you feel like everything's okay. And, and Sunday, everything is washed up. The home is cleaned up. You know, you feel everything is okay. We find a place in the body of Christ when we, dis we discover God's given gifts as we use them. And today I want to encourage you, discover your gift. What is it that you want to do for your family? What is it that you want to do for the family of God here? What is that God has called you to do as part of, his, as part of the body? Do you think you are the eyes that you've never opened up? Do you think that you're the hands that you've never utilized? Do you think that you're the feet that you've never used, that you're dragging everybody else behind, not only for the family here, but also your family at home? Do you think that you're the ears that God has given you for your family or for the church, and you've never actually taken up to actually listen and help? It's imperative for us to find a place in the body of Christ because you cannot be a loner. You must be a member or part of the body of Christ. 
And those of us who use fire would know that one log cannot keep the fire burning for long. You can try, but it's not possible. You know, during COVID, we given a test to worship from home. And the many of us can tell you that it's not easy. Have your own worship at home and uh, have your own communion in the house every Sunday. You can do it for a period of time, but that's not how Christ defined the church to be. I met people who told me that I'm, I love God, but I worship God in my own way. It's okay. But the, the church that Christ had def, def, designed, it's a body. It's not for individuals. It's a body. It's a family. And it's asking you and I to find our place in the family at the table. Yes, you can do everything for yourself, but it's just for you. It's not for him. I want to encourage those of us, the first place to start is a regular attendance at a local church where Jesus Christ is Lord and where he's worshipped. If you want to know the giftings, you know, people have asked me, how do I know my gift? Your gift can only be known in the family. Whether it's at home, if you cook well, your people will know. If your food is half cooked, your family will know. You don't go out there and asking people, how do I cook in my home? We are not there. How you iron your clothes, how you wash your clothes, your family know. So if you want to know your giftings here, this is your family. This year we're going to know your gifts and how you serve. So church is the place to start. So I want to challenge you guys and myself. I'm challenging myself as well. Take up your place because your place is unique to you. Your place is unique. Your place is unique. Max, God has only created one Max, Christian. He has not created ten of you. God has only created one Fred. I tell people, and people have asked me, you know, Pastor Paul will do this and this. I tell them it's okay. Paul has a gift in this area. I have a different gift. When you bring Paul's gift and Fred's gift together, we form part of the body. When my friend Gary here brings and does the bass and Gary starts on the piano, you can feel the music. You can feel it. My wife can sing, I can speak. I mean, you can do something, the other person can do something in the body. We cannot be one, one thing in the body. We cannot be. We cannot be. Sally is only one Sally. Very unique. 
in the kingdom of God. God is waiting for each one of us to take your place. No one is taking your place because it's only one you that has position. Whether in your family, whether it's in your friends, whether in your place of work, you, if you're given a position, it's just your position to serve in that position. If you're born in a family, that's your position in that family. If you're in a particular community like the church, this is your position in the church. And you raise up and stand and take your position in the church. I'll tell people in Kerrang, this is a community. I said some have taken up to be, to respond to the siren. Others are doing different things in the community. All of us cannot run there. All of us cannot be doctors. All of us cannot be nurses. And God has given us each unique something. And that's what Paul says in Romans 12, 6 and 8. He says that we have different gifts according to the grace given to each one of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy accordance to the faith that God has given you. You know, it's very easy to put up yourself and say, I'm prophet, so and so. Because God has given you the wisdom to speak into people's lives and speak about things about tomorrow. For others, God has given you healing. But some of us, God has given you discernment. He says, be serving, then serve. You know, it's very easy to look at other people and say, you know, I've been doing this every week and no one else is doing it. It's unique for you. It's special for you. Do it for God. If it's teaching, then teach. If you have the gift of encouragement like my friend Heather here, gift of encouragement. If you need encouragement, talk to Heather. I'm just... <laughs> I mean, we have different gifts in our community. But the point I'm saying that you need to stand up and take up that gift and serve the body. If it's giving, give generously. Give. People ask, oh, why did you give your whole salary? Why did you give? Not all of us have the gift of giving. I can tell you for sure. Giving is not easy. But some people, God has given the gift of giving. And some to ask, what are you going to do for yourself? My mother used to be like that. She would give up everything. I'm like, mom, what about us? It's like, God will provide for you. But I learned that my mom had the gift of giving. That was her gift. If she had food and everybody else is hungry, my mother would say, let's share. Let's have half, half. If she has money and no one else doesn't have, she give part of it to the other person. That was her gift. If it's not your gift, please don't do it. It's not your gift. And sometimes I've gone to places, you see somebody. When I used to work in the church office, we had a fundraiser some time back. And uh, I was put in charge of receiving the money that was coming in. And people would walk in with a lot of money. And I was, gosh. You know, and sometimes you can feel, are you sure you're giving it for God? I said, you know what? That's a, that's a gift God has called them to do. It's a gift. If it's to lead, lead, do it gently. 
diligently. If it's show mercy, do it cheerfully. Do it cheerfully. The people that God has created here, they're merciful people. When everybody is complaining, oh, you can't do that, they have heart for mercy for people. Don't feel shy. Go for it. The last thing I want to share with you before I finish is our motivation to do everything we do. It should be love. Don't do it out of frustration. Don't do it as a duty. Don't do it because you feel people have been pushing you to do it. Our motivation to serve, it should be love. In Romans 9, Romans 12, 9 to 13, Paul says that love must be sincere. You know, now we see a lot of fake love on the social media. It's there. It's fake love. But the genuine love is in God. Genuine love, we find it in God because God himself is love. He says, I hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above yourselves, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fire serving the Lord. He says, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. One of the things I found in this church, I was talking about the history and I've talked to people. People have told me that hospitality is a big thing for this church. Hospitality. Please, let's go for it. Invite somebody for coffee, for tea, for a meal. Doesn't cost much. Hospitality. Get somebody out for tea. For fellowship. Paul told the Corinthians that if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but not have love, I am only a resounding gog. You know, Paul knew that many of us, like myself and each of us, you can do so much. But if love is not compelling us, if love is not telling us, if love is not telling us to do it, and not just love for anything else, love from God, you'll be doing for your friends to see, for people to see, for everyone to see that you're doing it. But if you do it for God, even when no one else comes to say, well done. Even when no one else comes to say, thank you for giving, thank you for doing this, you know that you're doing it for God. I like verse 3 that says, if I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship, that I may boast but not have love, I gain nothing. I gain nothing. I'm not sure what God has called you to do. But I know that we can flourish as a church if each one of us can find our place in the body.
I know that as a church, as I mentioned earlier, that we can do so much. We can bear fruit if you work as a team, if you work as a body of Christ. And sometimes it begins by a simple call, for example, the story of Samuel and Eli. How many of us have read the story of Eli before in 1 Samuel chapter 3? Eli had the first voice. And not Eli, sorry, Samuel. Young Samuel had the first voice and he ran to Eli asking whether he had called him. Three times. It doesn't have to be. You know, you know sometimes when you hear God, you're feeling like it's a, a voice decorated in a particular fashion. Sometimes God is using familiar voices. People that are friends to you, that know you, and are saying, you know what, um, Brandon, God is calling you to do this. God is inviting you to serve here. Just a normal voice. Eli, I mean, Samuel thought that Eli was calling him. Familiar people, friends. You know? But also sometimes God can speak using familiar people but only for you to determine whether they're the things you're so used to or it's a different thing that is calling you to do. Because sometimes God calls you to do something and you run to the familiar people that you're so used to. And that's why it's important for us as a community, as a church, to work together. Because if your family, your friends around you, the people that speak about the mind of God, are people that are being in the tune in God, when you hear the voice, they'll redirect you to the right place. But if you hang around the, the wrong people and the voice is calling you from the wrong people and you run to the wrong people, you end up doing the wrong thing and feeling that you've answered the call of God. So luckily, young Samuel, when he ran to Eli, Eli was the, the right environment for him and told him, just go back and listen again. And some of us are waiting for a Moses experience, the burning bush to find your place. Could take another thousand years before you see another burning bush. Because right now, if you see a burning bush, the siren will be going there, not you, to put it off. Emergency responders will be running there if you have a burning bush right now. So probably may not work for you for this season. That was unique, but it can happen. A Moses experience. For others, they're waiting for Elijah's experience. You know, sometimes you go to those places, you feel people telling you, you know, there was a move of God because of the, the noise and everything that was happening around. They felt the experience, the move of God, but sometimes noises don't move God. It's just that still voice, that still voice. Saying, Jason, my son, I love you. Just a still voice. Saying, Andy, 
my son, I love you. I want you to come and work for me. That still voice. But because you're waiting for the big bang. The Bible says that Elijah waited, the storm came and went, the fire came and went, the, the loud voices came and left. But Elijah kept on waiting. And the still, the still voice came. And sometimes God is calling with that still voice. He's saying, come. Come, my sister. Come, my daughter. Come, my son. Come and, come and partner with me. Come and find your place in my body. But because you're waiting for that special noise, you've missed out on what God is calling you to do. You know, simple things that God can use Sometimes we make it look so big. Maybe God is calling you just to, to serve in a simple, simple thing that God is calling you to raise up from. But you're looking at the pulpit and you're saying, maybe at the pulpit where I can fulfill my call. Maybe God is calling you to stand at the door and shake people's hands and just say, you know what, welcome to church this morning. But you're feeling you're on the big stage where you can be playing the piano. You're saying, God, I wish you taught me how to do the piano so that I can stand there and lead the worship every Sunday. Maybe God is calling you just to reach out across your neighborhood. And you're waiting for this conference to come in Sydney in July to go there. And do what you think you should do there. And friends, many times the things that God is calling you, they may not necessarily be like the burning fire experience. They may not be necessarily like Samuel. It could just be that simple voice. I want to tell you today, God is inviting you and I to a place of harvest. And that's why Jesus said to these disciples that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. I want to invite Heather and the team to come back, and they do. I want you to stand up where you are, those of us who can stand, and ask yourself, have you found that place? Have you found that place that you feel that this is the place God has called you to do? Have you found that place where you stand and know that this is where I feel as a, as a player I play? I used to play soccer those days, and... I could play on the left wing, I can play on the right wing, I can play in the middle. But every time I was asked to play number seven, I felt this is a place for me. Because I knew that when I put in that position, that is a place I can play. But sometimes the coach can tell you play number 11 or number 10. What I'm saying is that when you play other corners, it doesn't necessarily mean that that is a place. But you yourself, you know that when you play this place, that you fulfill something. You can see the fruit. Let's stand up as we pray this morning. Let's stand on our feet. Lord, we thank you. Thank you, Lord, because you've called us to walk with you. You've created your church as your body. And you've invited us to be part of this body. And today you are calling each one of us to find our place. 
in this body. But I know it's not just about the church, but also it's in our homes where the ministry begins, that you've called each one of us to find a place in our homes. It's also in our society that you've called each one of us to find our place in the society. And I pray today from this message that many of us will rise up and take up their place in their homes. Many of us are going to rise up and take up their places in the society. Many of us are going to raise up and take up their place in this place, oh God. Many of us are going to raise up and take up their place in this country. And I pray for those that God has been calling to reach out to serve the children, to serve other areas. God, may you touch them in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.